Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out all of my written work at that website anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at yet another big screen iteration of Ben-Hur. It's the adventure action version PG-13 rated because of sequences of violence and disturbing images, and it runs two hours and four minutes. Jack Houston is the main star, with supporting roles going to Toby Kebbell, Morgan Freeman, Nazanin Bodiadi, Pilu Asbeik, and Rodrigo Santoro. The director is Timur Bekmambatov, and the screenplay is by Keith R. Clark and John Ridley. Now, it's a fair guess to surmise that this 2016 version of Ben-Hur is going to get about 11 less Academy Awards than its most notable predecessor from 1959, that one starring Charlton Heston, which would eventually go on to take the Best Picture Oscar. This one feels more like a B-movie attempt to dish out a less subtle, more action-oriented version of the Ben-Hur story which was originally written as a best-selling novel back in 1880 by Lou Wallace as Ben-Hur, A Tale of the Christ, that was mixed with a faith-based parable of the Jesus effect in Jerusalem in which those of monotheistic faith would bide their time until the wretched, polytheistic, and brutal Roman Empire would eventually crumble some centuries later. Not surprisingly, the film is executive produced by faith-based power couple Mark Burnett and Roma Downey. They've dressed up the film to be more of a religious parable than a tale of rip-roaring adventure, but when the action takes place, it does last for quite a long time, so you'll get your money's worth if that's what you're looking for. After a brief opening in 33 AD that showcases the start of the big chariot race that will serve as the film's big finale... No doubt thrown in here to let audiences know that the good stuff they've paid to see is going to be forthcoming, but you have to get through a great deal of semi-monotonous setup to get there. We go back eight years to begin the story of Judah Ben-Hur. He's a wealthy Jewish prince living in Rome-occupied Jerusalem, as well as his strong competitive bond with his adopted Roman brother, Masala Severus, who will come to be his main adversary in that climactic race. However... That bond is put to the test when Masala becomes a centurion in the Roman military, and years later he returns to Jerusalem as a captain who's entrusted to command the troops as Roman prefect to Judea, Pontius Pilate, enters the city, which has been a trouble spot for Rome due to a faction of murderous zealots who have caused them a great deal of disruption and death. When Judah refuses to name names to Masala prior to another eruption in Pilate's presence, he's convicted of sedition for the incident, effectively beginning his enslavement in the galley of a Roman warship where he will presumably be shackled until he expires. The rest of the film concerns how Judah goes from that predicament to ultimately compete against his brother for guts and glory in the chariot race. Oh, and Jesus is in there somewhere too. The pleasure of this update to Ben-Hur can be summed up in two key set pieces. One is the galley slave scene in which Judah and the other shackled men have to row for survival during a very harrowing and explosive naval battle on the Ionian Sea. And of course, the chariot race later in which all of the chips are put on the table for everyone involved pending the outcome of the contest. That the action when it's on the screen is quite good probably will come as little surprise for those who follow the, the career of the director, Timur Bekmambatov. He spent his entire career delivering such skillful CG-infused set pieces in low to mid-profile schlock like Wanted and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Unfortunately, one thing that Bekmambatov is not as keen on exploring is characterization 
and emotional subtext. He merely sees such things as that which you must do in narrative filmmaking to get to the money shot moments that he really wants to explore. Once the dialogue drops away and he can just let everything rip for the audience to watch with mouths agape. Whereas the 1959 version of Ben-Hur clocks in at just 15 minutes short of four hours in length, this 2016 telling is just a shade over two hours, and that means it's going to be quite stripped down to tell its tale compared to other versions, which, knowing that the action set pieces are going to dominate for long stretches, means that most of the narrative has to take shortcuts in order to get all of the players and these plot pieces in place for the more crowd-pleasing action moments. Alas... As barebones as the plot may be, Bekmambatov's film is still quite slack in how it plays out. Many scenes and characters are seemingly superfluous to the main events, and that includes the entirety of Jesus' appearance in this film, played by Rodrigo Santoro. He only tangentially connects to the Ben-Hur saga the way that he's depicted in this film. He's ostensibly kept in here just to please the faith-based financial backers of the story who are looking to reach out beyond those who are already in the fold, to more mainstream audiences, and to continue to show Christianity in an appealing and positive light, contrary to what they feel typical Hollywood movies offer. Despite some dynamic action set pieces and the appearance of a poorly costumed and awkwardly coiffed Morgan Freeman, who, truth be told, is becoming less rare in agreeing to make second-tier films like these these days, Ben-Hur feels like a low-rent attempt to make a grand-scale epic. It has an attractive but very bland cast, has hokey dialogue that serves up only the necessary expository information to keep the film's plot and themes at the forefront, while the characterizations remain mostly one-dimensional throughout. While the financiers have their own religious reasons for making the film to begin with, Bikmambatov knows that the selling point of the film is that chariot race. That centerpiece, even with a bit of obvious CG and monumentally dumb plot element that involves Morgan Freeman's mentor character miraculously able to coach Judah from the sidelines of an arena that's filled with thousands of screaming spectators while chariots and horses thunderously speed around this massive coliseum, yeah, that's really idiotic, but it's still a showstopper of a scene. I suppose how much you ultimately come away enjoying Ben-Hur is likely going to be tied with how much mediocrity you're willing to sit through in order to get to that place. Two and a half stars is what I'm giving Ben-Hur. It's not as dismal as I thought it might be. And four stretches, it actually ends up being compelling in its own action-oriented way. But yet the dumber plotting elements and the fact that all of the stories and character elements don't really come together... And they don't always make sense within the course of the film as far as the motivation, especially of Masala, the brother who seems to be bipolar between being a villain and also a compassionate compatriot. It seems to vary from scene to scene. It just doesn't really hold together. So I would say this version of Ben-Hur is not going to supplant the 1959 version anytime soon. So, two and a half stars for Ben-Hur. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you did, please click the subscribe button, leave a review on iTunes, and if you want to support the show, the best way you can do that is go to patreon.com slash quipster, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R, and leave a donation. Every dollar helps, and if you do donate and let me know, I will dedicate a future review to you if you let me know the name of a movie that you want me to review. So until next time, I hope that you enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. 